0: Blessed are you and our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, I don't know, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are Yodonai who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Amen. Amen. So uh, chapter 39, and Yosef had been brought down to Egypt. Potiphar, a courtier of Pharaoh, the chamberlain of the butchers, a prominent Egyptian, purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Adonai was with Yosef, and he became a successful man, and he remained in the house of his Egyptian master. His master perceived that Adonai was with him, and whatever he did, Adonai made su- succeed in his hand. Yosef found favor in his eyes, and he attended him. He appointed him over his household, and whatever he had, he placed in his custody. And it happened that from the time he appointed him in his house and over whatever he had, Adonai blessed the Egyptian's house on Joseph's account, so that Adonai's blessing... So that Adonai's blessing was in whatever he owned, in the house and in the field. He left all that he had in Joseph's custody, and with him present, he concerned himself with nothing except for the bread that he would eat. Now, Joseph was handsome of form and handsome of appearance. After these things, his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. But he adamantly refused. He said to his master's wife, look. With me here my master concerns himself about nothing in the house and whatever he has placed in my custody. There is no greater in this house than I, and he has denied me nothing but you, since you are his wife. How then can I perpetrate this great evil and have sinned against God? And so it was, just as she coaxed Joseph day after day so he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, to be with her, Then there was an opportune day when he entered the house to do his work, and no man of the house staff, being there in the house, that she caught hold of him by his garment and said, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called out to the men of her household and spoke to them, saying, look, he brought us a Hebrew man to sport with us. He came to lie with me, but I called out with a loud scream. And when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me, fled, and went outside. She kept his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she told him a similar account, saying, The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came to me to sport with me. But it happened that when I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. And it was when his master heard his wife's words, which he had spoken to him, saying, Your slave did things like this to me. His anger flared up. Then Yosef's master took him and placed him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he remained there in prison. Adonai was with Yosef, and he endowed him with charisma. He was first charismatic. And he put his favor in the eye... Uh, Favorite in the eyes of the prison warden. The prison warden placed all the inmates of the prison in Yosef's custody, and everything that was done there he would accomplish. The prison warden did not scrutinize anything that was in his charge, inasmuch as Adonai was with him, and whatever he did, Adonai made successful. Baruch Hashem. Now, remember what I said to you last week. As we're going through this, I want you to keep in mind what I said last week, which was. Anytime you're talking about or you hear me talk about or you're thinking about Yosef, I need you to uh, think about Yosef being Yeshua. Now remember, he's not literally Yeshua, but we're, we're, our purpose in studying Yosef at this, at this juncture is to understand the gospel, the true gospel message. You know what we, um, uh, we just read here in the, in the Brit that that the glory of God's kingdom is going to come to the earth when the gospel message is preached, and and so uh, people who are watching may wonder, well, my goodness, you know, TBN is everywhere, CBN is somewhere everywhere, and all the other Day Stars, they're they're everywhere. I mean, they. I mean, I was in Tahiti, and Day Star was right there. So the gospel's everywhere. Who hasn't heard the gospel? You can say, well, I know this guy, Frank. Oh, come on, come on. I'm talking about like, we're not talking about every single soul, but the, the gospel's been preached literally everywhere. So how come the end hasn't come? We either got two possibilities because the word of God is true. I mean, there's only two possibilities. Since the word of God has been preached over all the earth and it's been that way for a long time, it's not like it just happened, like it just happened last week. We finally got the gospel message to the final, to the the final to the uncharted island. We found Gilligan and the crew. And we got the gospel there, okay? So there's only two possibilities. Either A, Yeshua was lying, Hasvei Shalom, or B, we've got the wrong message. That's the only two possibilities. Because Yeshua is saying, I said this gospel, not that gospel, whatever it is y'all been talking about. And, And by the way, who's Jesus? You know, by the way, the verse says there's only one name under heaven. Only one name. Say one. one. There's only one name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Only one. Say one. one. Since the name Jesus didn't exist until 1500, you only have two options if you're okay with that. Either A, the apostle was lying, and there's actually multiple names under heaven whereby men may be saved Jesus, Jesus. Ishtis or whatever. bunch of different. Yeshua. Yahashua. Yahasha. Yeshushushua. Yeah. Kaburah. Yeah. Yeah. All kind of names. Yeah. You say, because it doesn't matter, right? You can translate into whatever you want, which means he was mistaken. There's, all, there's multiple names under heaven whereby men can may be saved. Wow. Or you have to say there's only one name, which means... Since 1500, we've all been saying the wrong name. He said, but I said that name and good things happen. Oh, that's called grace. God loves you. And he doesn't know. You don't know what you don't know. But now that you know, you've got to do something with it. Right? You can't claim ignorance once you've been taught. The speed limit's 45. Aye, you're doing 80. Pull you over again. I told you the speed limit's 45. I know, but I'm under Grace. Step out of the car. Put your hands on the car. You got anything sharp in your pockets? (laughs) Right? This is common sense. And that's what the world lacks right now, common sense. I have a history lesson about the Confederacy. I so want to tell you about it. It has nothing to do with what I want to say, so I'm not going to share it with you. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it. Um, because somebody hit me with this, and it's just common sense. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Own egg, own egg. Thank you. That's great. That's a great place to share it. Own egg. You say I'm not coming to Own Egg. What's wrong with you? Yeah, we'll make Own Egg great again when I start doing little drops. Oh, that's just going down like that. <laughs> Everybody's like, I don't come to own egg." It's like, well, you missed what rabbi had to say. Next thing, the rabbi's going to be full. People eating their little tuna sandwiches. <laughs> Make your own egg great again. Uh, all right. Yosef Joseph, Joseph was the key to the exodus. Yosef was the key to the exodus. It said, and Ma'am Loez brings this down, Our sages teach that the brothers had a good motive for selling Yosef to Egypt. Now, this is intriguing because we know what the brothers' motives were. We're going to get rid of this dreamer because he's not going to usurp us. That's exactly what they said about Yeshua. Listen, if we don't get rid of this guy, the whole world's going to go after him. If we don't get rid of this dreamer, then we're going to end up bowing down. You want to bow down to him? No. You want to bow down to cur- Curly Locks? Nuh-uh. I ain't doing that. I ain't going down like that, Mika would say. <laughs> so they wanted to have a degree of dominance in Egypt. Now, we know that what their, what, what their neshama was saying is our motive, but what they didn't know was that they had in, in the deep recesses of their neshama, they had a subconscious motive, and that is we want to get a jump on Egypt. So in order to get a jump on Egypt, we're going to sell them one of our brothers. We're going to re- we have to reject one of our brothers and sell him in order to get over on Egypt. So this is what it says. They wanted to have a degree of dominance in Egypt before they came, became slaves there. Then, when they were enslaved, their subjugation would not be so severe. If Joseph had not attained such a high status, the Israelites would never have been able to leave Egypt. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. We sell our brother as a slave. He becomes the first. He he is the firstborn, you understand. He's the firstborn, right, through inheritance. He wasn't literally the firstborn, but he became the firstborn through through merit. And we sold the firstborn into slavery. We weren't slaves. He became a king. He became the, rule, the king who rules over kings, in fact, because he became the king over Egypt. He became the savior of the world. Then we went down there, and we were living large. And then we became slaves after a period of time. But because he was a slave first, then our slavery was not as severe. Why? Because he took the brutality of the slavery on him so that we would not have to endure it. And had he not become a slave, we would never been able to receive our freedom. That's what they're saying about Yosef. We thus see that Yosef was sold a number of times to the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. All of these served as a vanguard for the brothers. The intent was that wherever the Israelites went, their subjugation would not be great. The Midrash says that God told the brothers, you sold your brother as a slave. By your lives, a time will come when you will descend and We, you will say, we will be slaves in Egypt. To this very day, we read these words in the Haggadah of Passover. Ma'am Loez concludes this thought and says, As we mentioned earlier, the selling of Joseph resulted in a benefit. See, the brothers thought that they were just getting rid of this punk kid that thought he would be king. And remember what I said last, last week. All the brothers and the father, and presumably all the sisters, because remember they're sisters too. Okay, we don't know we don't know how many, but they say there's at least twelve sisters. And all, and, and all the servants who are also circumcised and brought into the kingdom. So all all the Gentiles, I mean, excuse me, all the uh, converts rather, who were former Gentiles. The whole family, everybody, the whole nation of Israel looked at. At Yosef, and they said to him this. They said, Yosef, listen, we are going to have a king over us. We will bow down to a king. Somebody here is going to be king one day, but it will never be you. We will never bow down to you, ever. And as I said last week, you can, if you're a Jew in Orthodoxy, you can literally believe in any Messiah you want to believe in, literally. They might think you're a little nutty, but you'll be welcome at the table. You'll, you're welcome at the synagogue. You can show up to any synagogue as a Jew, and you can say, well, I believe, I, you know, if I don't, I don't mind telling you, Rabbi, that I believe that Nachman is the Mashiach. Okay, I don't, I don't agree with you, but whatever, Davin. I, I just want to tell you, Rabbi, um, I, I believe that Schneerson is the Mashiach. He's not, but okay, Davin. Rabbi, I just want to tell you that I believe that Shabbatai Zavi actually is the Mashiach. Well, you're really crazy, but that's fine. (laughs) Stay with us. I just want to tell you, I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Get out. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm not disturbing anything. I eat kosher. I do everything. I'm full agreement with everything in the synagogue here. Get out. Why? Because that man will never be king over us. Oh, you mean like Yosef? But see, they got rid of him for jealousy's sake, but in fact, it it ended up in the benefit. Because had they not sold him, we would not have ever received our liberation. Do you understand this? Had the brothers never rejected Yeshua, I mean Yosef, we would never have been set free from Egypt. It was necessary to sell and betray the brother so that we could receive freedom. So it says, since it led to the eventual redemption of the Israelites, this was the benefit. God was therefore pleased with their action. Listen to this God was pleased. With their action. Isaiah 53:10 says, It pleased Adonai to bruise him, to cause him to suffer. It makes his soul a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the will of Adonai will succeed in all of his hands. You understand, it says it pleased God to see the Messiah suffer. Why did it please God to see the Mashiach suffer? Because he knew that it would eventually lead to the freedom of his children. That's what it says here. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, but God took us out of there. How did he take us out of there? This is what it says. If Joseph had not been sold, we would still be slaves in Egypt. That's what it says in Ma'am Loez. Had we never sold Joseph, we would still be slaves. You know, I've always been hawkish, and uh, I've always loved history, And, and when I was growing up as a kid, I wasn't super religious, but I had an understanding of the gospel message as it had been presented to me. And I remember thinking as a kid, man, if I had a time machine, I'd go, go back in time, I'd rescue Yeshua, and I'd whoop all day. Mm, bleep, you know. <laughs> I'd just, I'd be like a, I'd be like a windmill in a, in a tornado. Not realizing that that had to happen. Had it not happened, I would never receive my liberty. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to to get back to some things. You know, um, a lot of people are upset right now because of things that happened 200, 300, 400 years ago. You know, uh, with with, with slavery. And by the way, um, everybody at one point in time has been a slave. Did you know that? Everybody at one point in time, black, white, brown, red, everybody's been a slave. The Indians had slaves. The black people had slaves. White people had slaves. Chinese people had slaves. Even the Penguin Corps up there, they told me the other day, we had slaves too. <laughs> down, I said, stay down there, Antarctica. They call me. They answer the phone. <laughs> I understand penguins. They're, they're black and white, I mean, they're multicultural. <laughs> That's cool. But listen, you can you know, you can say slavery's bad, it's terrible, right? Like the Irish. The Irish were sold into slavery, indentured servants. That's called slave. But had some of the Irish people not done that then there wouldn't be a lot of you here today in the United States same thing with people from Africa you say well you know the, uh, slavery was wrong yes it was but had your ancestor not been sold into slavery then guess you would be in Africa today and there's a lot of people and I, uh, people in the back of the room right now saying uh uh-uh, no, uh uh I like my uh, iPad I like my pad <laughs> You know, I don't want to be chasing a, you know, cobra out of my hut. And I don't either. Uh-uh. I ain't trying to do Tarzan. So we just have to understand. In other words, we have to look at, at, at things in life and say, thank you, God. It, didn't, it wasn't good when it happened. You know, I'm sure that when Joseph was sitting on the throne in Egypt, he was sitting on the throne saying, okay, that, those first 20 years were terrible, but this ain't so bad. Because had I, had I not been sold, had y'all not done that to me, I wouldn't be sitting up here, you know, living, living it up. 30 pieces of silver. You know that Yeshua was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver? Do you know that? And you look at the story and you find out that Joseph was betrayed for 20 pieces of silver. And I always struggle with that. I said, well, Hashem, why is it? Because we know that Yosef is a type and shadow of Yeshua. So why is it he was betrayed with 20 and Yeshua was betrayed with 30? Where is the disconnect? And it turns out if you read the whole story in the sources, you find out that when, it finally, when he finally got down to Egypt, the, the, the Ishmaelites and the, uh, uh, um, the Mennonites um, sold, sold him back and forth to each other. And the final sell. so initially it was 20, the final sell was for five pieces of silver. And the total number of transactions was five transactions. Add all together, it's 30. So Joseph, in fact, was traded for over 30. And Yeshua was traded for 30. There's also a Villa Dolorosa story with Joseph. You know, Joseph was sold into slavery, and then he went down to Egypt. And we just read from the point he was sold to the point where Potiphar bought him. But we have to get into the oral Torah to see the Villa Dolorosa. You know what the Villa Dolorosa is. The Vila Dolorosa is the way of suffering. When they took Yeshua from being in front of Pontius Pilate and then took him to be crucified, along the way they were beating him and causing him to suffer. Were they not? They were doing the same thing to Yosef. It says one of the Ishmaelites, when they were walking, was slapping him in the face. It's like slapped Yeshua and said, prophesy to us, Rabbi, who's hitting you? It says others began to berate him and began to beat him. Every time he stopped, they just beat him. I'm sorry, are we talking about Yeshua or Yosef? Every time he stopped, they beat him. And then they took him, when they were passing down the way, it says he was passing by his mother's grave. And and Yosef ran over and laid on his mother's tomb and wept bitterly. And suddenly a still small voice came from the grave. It was Rachel's voice. And she whispered and said, Yosef, my son... I see your agony. I hear your cries. By the way, wasn't it Miriam that followed Yeshua along the Villa Dolorosa? You know that, I don't know, we don't have record of the conversation or maybe the things that Miriam might have whispered to Yeshua along the way, but you know that Miriam knew why the child was born. You know that she knew his mission. And maybe she was whispering these similar things to him. I grieve very much to see you like this, Rachel said. But know, my son, that patience is a great virtue in your world. And I promise you that God will be with you and you will not be harmed. Now, my son, go to Egypt with your masters. Things will turn out well there. And Yosef wept so much that one of the Israelites dragged him away from the grave, beating him and beating him and beating him without mercy. So we have a Villa, Villa de La Rosa experience here. This was all a part of God's plan. Rabbi Monk brings down that the passive form of the, of the verb and Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. That is, to go down is used here. It suggests that the incident was the work of a higher will. We say this was the brothers. It was the brothers. It was, it, 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 was, uh, it was the Jews' fault that they betrayed Yeshua. No, actually, it was the work of a higher will. And Yeshua said as much when he talked to Pontius Pilate. He said, actually, you don't have any power over me at all. If I wanted to right now, I could just say, show up, and I'd have 10,000 angels right here tearing you to pieces. But I'm just letting you do this. So it says here, come, let us contemplate the work of God, his awesome deed towards us. Joseph was silent silent before his his, uh, questioners. Remember how Yeshua stood up and they asked him, tell us, who are you? They asked him all these questions. He never opened his mouth, never said a word. It just so happens that when Joseph got in front of Potiphar, Potiphar noticed that there was something about him. There was something about him that was, you don't look like a slave. You look like you actually came from a good house. In fact, the story is that the Midianites brought him, and he didn't believe the Midianites that he was a true slave, so they actually brought the Ishmaelites to prove how the exchange came. So it says, as for Joseph, he was urged to answer questions about his origins, but he kept silent. He did not wish to humiliate his brothers by betraying them, and he kept the promise he had made to them. He had inherited the character of his mother, who well knew how to keep a secret. As she proved on her sister Leah's marriage night, even at the cost of her own personal happiness, Rachel didn't betray her sister. So he finds himself praying, and, and uh, Potiphar sees, sees him praying. He thinks he's trying to uh, conjure up some sorcery, and he says, Listen, um, I don't know what you think you're trying to do, but there's ten measures of sorcery given to the world, and Egypt has nine of them. So if you're trying to conjure up some sorcery to get you out of here, just understand that's not going to work so well for you. He said, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just praying to my God. He said, you're praying to your God, but I don't see, you're not, you're just looking into space. He goes, my God doesn't have an image. It says here in Rabbi Monk's commentary that he was brought down to Egypt. From the sublime heights of the holy life, he had lived at home under the guidance of his patriarch father. Joseph had been just brought down to Egypt. As we are told in the first words of this chapter, Here we come to know the abysmal depth of the immoral and perverse civilization. He was considered the purest among his brothers, it says here, and yet he was brought down to Egypt. He was brought down from the highest of heights under the tutelage of his patriotic father to the lowest depths. For what purpose? To save Israel. That's what happened to Yeshua, wasn't it? He was at the highest height he was on the throne. He was memtet, sitting in the, in, the, in the Holy of Holies, in the Kedosh HaKodeshim of the original temple, brought all the way down to this world, to the depths of garbage. Why? To save us. So it says here, whenever Yosef handled any merchandise, it appeared to be blessed. Normally, merchants sell on credit and give discount for cash. Joseph was able to obtain a good price even for cash sales. Potiphar would bring his merchandise home just so Joseph would be able to touch it. He just wanted Joseph to touch whatever he brought. As soon as Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his household, God blessed everything that the Egyptian had in his house and field. Now, when I read that, I immediately wrote a note out to the side, 2 Samuel 6, 11, The Ark of Hashem remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and Hashem blessed everything in his entire house. I wrote that down, and then later, as I was going through commentaries, it turns out that the, the sages had seen that way ahead of me, and they said that Joseph was likened to the Ark brought into Obed-Edom's house. So here we have Joseph is like the Ark of God, and when you bring Joseph in, it blesses everything. Joseph remained with Potiphar for 12 months. During the six months of dry season, Potiphar was in the field, and he placed Joseph in charge of the house. During the six months of the rainy season, Potiphar was in the house, and he put Joseph in charge of the field. Now listen to this. It says, when Joseph waited on Potiphar personally, he was able to give him anything that he desired immediately. If Potiphar gave Joseph, y'all ready for this? If Potiphar gave Yosef a cup of wine and wanted water, Yosef could immediately turn the, water in, or the wine into water or the water into wine. Oh, you, thought, you thought Yeshua did a party trick. Nothing new in the New Testament. You thought that Yeshua, you thought that whole story, think about all the miracles that Yeshua, his whole, he was like one big walking miracle. And you're thinking, Yeshua hadn't even started his ministry yet. Why are we reading about a wedding feast and he transforms water into wine? Why is that in the Gospels? Well, it's in the Gospels because everybody's a Pharisee, including Yeshua, which means they believe in the oral tradition, which means that the whole story of Yeshua's life is about a brother who is rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery. And it points back to Joseph, and it just so happens... That in the oral tradition, it says that Yosef turned water into wine and wine into water. And so Yeshua says, hey, I got a little something to show you. (laughs) I'm sorry, did you say we're out of wine? (laughs) I'll be right back. That's why that story is in there. It also says when his master saw this, he gave Yosef all the keys. Man, come on. You just, you know what, you gave me wine, but I'm a little thirsty. Can I have some water? Boop, there you go. Okay, here's the keys. It says he gave him all the keys to his household and did not ask for accounting of anything. And it says in the, in the Apostolic letters in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, and also in Hebrews 2, 8, it talks about everything is subject to Yeshua. Why? Because that's exactly what's played out in the story of Joseph. He also, he also ate kosher like, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah ate kosher. It says here, furthermore, Joseph only ate the pure bread. He did not defile his mouth with forbidden foods. The Torah, therefore, says Joseph remained well-built and good-looking. It says this statement may seem out of place, but the Torah is telling us that although Joseph did not eat anything other than bread because he didn't want to eat the defiled meat, he remained healthy, well-built, and handsome. That's exactly what happened in Daniel 1.15. When it says they didn't want to eat the king's meat, we're just going to eat only vegetables. And, they, and, the, and the, the chamberlain was like, look, I'm scared. If you don't eat good, you're going to not be healthy, and then I'm going to die. And they're like, look, you know, we'll be fine. We'll eat vegetarian, and, and look, look what happens. Now, where Yosef might have gone wrong here, theoretically, it's just a lesson for us. In this case, he didn't really go wrong because it was all part of God's will. But Yosef asked for a test. Don't ever ask for a test. But it said he asked for a test. He said, you know, my grandfather was tested. My dad was tested. My great-grandfather was tested. And they were all able to withstand a test. And I understand that if I'm going to be this person that everybody's bowing down to, I need to, go through some, I need to go through some things. And God said, I'm sorry, what did you, what did you say? Did you want to test? Yes, I want to test. And so that's when God caused Potiphar's wife to start giving him looks. Now, what's the big problem with Potiphar's wife? She's married. That's adultery because she's a married woman, which is death. Now, Potiphar's wife actually, the sages give her a little bit of credit and they say that she had discerned through her sorcery. Looking at the stars or whatever, she had discerned that she was that, that she was going to have children through Yosef. And her intention actually was good, and that she wanted to have children with a righteous man. But what she had missed was, because she didn't see the whole picture, what it wasn't her, it was her adopted daughter. Who was gonna have the children? So she, it wasn't her, plus we find out she's not all that great of a person, which is probably the whole the whole problem to begin with. But I want you to listen to what one of the arguments, there was there were many arguments that that Joseph put forth, but one of the arguments he gave to her was this: He said, He said, Listen, in the past, God would choose a member of my family as a human sacrifice. He commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Now, this is Yosef this is talking. He says, there's a good chance that God will also choose me to be a human sacrifice. Because I too am my father's favorite son. If I commit adultery, I will be unfit as an offering to God. Ladies and gentlemen, did you just hear what I just read? Um, because this is saying that human sacrifices are a thing in Judaism. And Yosef said, listen, this has happened before, and, and, and this happened with Isaac, who is my father's love, or who is my grandfather's love. And it could happen to me because I am my father's love. So it says here that I was going to share this with you, um, I wasn't actually going to share this with you, I was sharing it with the guys um, because I didn't think y'all were old enough. <laughs> um, but I shared this little insight with the guys. And then, I, I, then Joseph Klein, back there gave this little drop I'm about to share. And I decided, wow, I didn't even think about that. I guess I'll share it with everybody and hope they're old enough. So, so here's the deal. So all this is going on, and Yosef decides he's going to try to get out of this. He's going to try to distract Hasatan, so to speak. So he creates a golem. Now, a golem is actually something in Jewish mysticism that is basically a body double. You make a body double, and through using the divine name, it comes to life. And it literally says in Ma'am Loez's text, it refers to it as an android. Which is why it doesn't work as good as a... Which is why it didn't work. If he'd have had an iPhone, it's been... the app would have worked. So it says here, According to one opinion, when Yosef saw that, that she was trying to seduce him without stopping, he made a golem as a perfect double of himself. He would let this android sleep with Potiphar's wife, thus ridding himself of her. Sarah had done the same thing with Pharaoh. Esther had done the same thing with Ahasuerus. Oh. Some of are like, man, I love Judaism. Yeah. Potiphar's wife, however, knew enough magic. Remember, nine measures of magic are there. She figured it out. And so what Yosef claimed brought down is like, wait a minute. He's like, wait a minute. You've got Yosef. And then he creates a perfect double of himself. So now you've got the two goats of Yom Kippur. And you send the Azazel goat to go distract Hasatan, curse be he, while this one is over here being a sacrifice. And I, so I, after he got up off the floor when I hit him, I said, man, I'm going to use that. I, I, was, I was not going to mention this because I didn't think y'all could take it. And so, but now... So it says the Taurus, therefore, when she figured out what was going on, it says the Taurus says she grabbed him by the beged, 39, 12. The Hebrew word beged means garment, but it also comes from the root bagad, meaning deceive. That is, she grasped his deception and understood that he was trying to fool her. Now, I mentioned the Via Rosa, but remember that when Yosef was brought before Pontius, excuse me, when Yeshua was brought before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate did not believe that he was guilty. But he was trying to appease the populace. He did not want to upset the relationship. Turns out that Potiphar did not believe his wife. But... He did not want to upset his wife. So what he did was, he sh- because if Joseph had truly been guilty of adultery, even in a pagan society, he should have been killed. He should have been killed, executed. So he didn't. So Potiphar said, I'm not going to execute you. I'm going to have you flogged. It says, although Potiphar knew the truth, he said to Joseph, I know very well that you are innocent, that she tried unsuccessfully to to seduce you. Although you do not deserve any punishment, I have no choice but to imprison you. Everyone is talking about the incident. If I don't punish you, they will say that my wife is a harlot. They will say that she has done this on other occasions and that my children are illegitimate. Therefore, I must put you in prison. According to another version, it says that Potiphar came home and he... Said the same thing, and he's, and he said, I'm also gonna take you out. And it says, He had Yosef flogged without mercy. That is exactly what happened to Yeshua. He took him out and had him flogged mercilessly, and then he brought him back and said, See, I had him flogged. And this is what Yosef said. To, remember how Yeshua said, I've sat, he said in Matthew 26:55. Every day I sat in the temple teaching and you did not do anything to me. This is what Yeshua said. I'm sorry. This is what Yosef said to Potiphar. He said, I've been in your house for a year. You've seen me do everything, everything. You haven't seen me do anything wrong. If you have, I'm ready to accept my punishment in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, I just have one more thing. One more thing. It says here, As long as Jacob's sons were alive, they were not punished for selling Yosef. Samuel was afraid to denounce them to their face since they were such great people. As soon as the brothers died, Samuel took a ram in his hand and sought judgment before the heavenly tribunal. He quoted the verse in the Torah and said, Even if a person kidnaps a man and sells him, he shall die. Exodus 21.16. Holding up the ram, he said, since Isaac was supposed to be the burnt offering, how could a ram be offered in his place? You cannot substitute a sacrifice for a lesser sacrifice. This is why a man had to die. Now, we know also that Yeshua had 12 Talmudim, which in effect became like a type of 12 tribes. We also know that in this story, Yosef is a type of Yeshua, but he's not Yeshua. Yosef, it says, had been destined to father 12 tribes himself, like his father. But because of his earlier, he had a couple of missteps in this whole thing with Potiphar's wife. He didn't actually sleep with her, but there was a point at which he almost gave in. And because of that, he only gave birth to two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so we see even with Yosef, he was supposed to have 12, but he ended up with two. And this is why we have Yeshua who came to be that forever sacrifice and to bring about the 12. Baruch haba Bashem Adonai.